I have always thought that one of the stupidest things the living say about the dead is the phrase, so-and-so would have wanted it this way. At best, it is guesswork. Most often, it is hubris, no matter how well intended. You simply cannot know. So whatever else there is to be said about the publication of Reborn, this first of what will eventually be a three-volume selection of Susan Sontag's journals, it is not the book she would have produced, and that assumes she would have decided to publish these diaries in the first place. Instead, both the decision to publish and the selection have been mine alone. Even when there is no question of censorship, the literary dangers and moral hazards of such an enterprise are self-evident. Caveat lector. It is not a decision I ever wanted to make, but my mother died without leaving any instructions as to what to do with either her papers or her uncollected or unfinished work. This might seem out of character for someone who took such care of her work, who worked furiously on translations, even in languages she knew only passably, and had informed and decisive opinions about publishers and magazines the world over. But despite the lethality of myelodysplastic syndrome, the blood cancer that killed her on December 28th, 2004, she continued to believe until only a few weeks before her death that she was going to survive. So instead of speaking about how she wanted others to look after her work once she was no longer around to look after it herself, as someone who was more resigned to death probably would have done, she spoke emphatically of returning to work and of all that she would write once she got out of the hospital. As far as I am concerned, she had an absolute right to die as she wished. She owed posterity, let alone me, nothing as she fought to live. But obviously, there are unintended consequences of her decision, the most important here being that it has devolved to me to decide how to publish the writings she left behind. In the case of her essays, which appeared in At the Same Time, a year after her death, the choices were relatively straightforward, Despite the fact that my mother certainly would have substantially revised the essays for republication, they had already been either published during her lifetime or delivered as lectures. Her intentions were clear. These diaries are a completely different matter. They were written solely for herself, and she produced them steadily from early adolescence to the last few years of her life, when her delight in the computer and in email seems to have curbed her interest in diary-keeping. She had never permitted a line from them to be published, nor, unlike some diarists, did she read from them to friends, although those close to her knew of their existence and of her habit, after filling a notebook, of placing it alongside its predecessors in the walk-in closet in her bedroom, near other treasured but somehow essentially private possessions, such as family photographs and mementos of her childhood. By the time she fell ill for the last time, in the spring of 2004, there were close to a hundred such notebooks, and others turned up as her last assistant, Anne Jump, and her closest friend, Paolo Di Leonardo, and I were sorting through her effects in the year after her death, 